0: So much for pests. Now let's see if there's good news about parasites. I'm with Ryan Heckinger at Scripps in California by the beach.
1: We do go into that ocean right out there, including on this sandy beach. I had a student who did a good study. If you walk down to the beach, a lot of time you're going to look down at your feet and you'll see thousands of little tiny clams. And you're stepping on them and their parasites that they harbor.
0: (laughs) We love clams. You know, what do they call them in Italy? Vongole.
1: <laughs> Spaghetti vongole. Yeah. I me adoro vongole. Yeah. <laughs> I happen to have an Italian wife and I've been speaking Italian at home for mm. seven years now. So yeah. yes, the vongole. I like to eat them too. Having them cooked
0: is fine, but otherwise?
1: Okay. So it depends. If they're cooked, the parasites are dead you can eat them just fine. Some clams are also fine eaten raw, and I do that myself. But usually they're gonna come from a place where they're not gonna be loaded with human infectious parasites. They might have some shark parasites, but that really stinks for the shark parasites if a human eats the clam instead of a shark or a ray. You just digest them. Extra
0: protein. Extra protein. (laughs) (laughs) I'll think of that. But when we're talking about the ocean, The one thing that I keep being reminded of is that if you pick up, say, a big mug of ocean water, it contains thousands and thousands of
1: viruses and, of course, bacteria. Is that right? Probably right. The exact number, I'm not going to swear to you right now, but there's going to be tons of bacteria in there. They have viruses that specialize on basically blowing them up. See, poor bacteria, unlike us, when they get a virus, a virus goes inside and it blows up the entire bacteria, it kills it. In us, it gets into our cells and maybe blows up a cell, but it doesn't blow us up typically. And <laughs> so there are gonna be those bacteria, they're gonna have their viruses, there's gonna be all sorts of plant plankton, phytoplankton out there. They're going to have their own viruses and there's going to be zooplankton, the little crustaceans and other sorts of little animals floating around in the water. They're going to have viruses too.
0: And that's right out to the middle of the ocean?
1: Yes, it is. Wow. And down deep? It's down deep at the deepest part of the ocean where we have other sorts of life forms down deep, you're not going to have the photosynthesizing plant plankton using the sun's rays down there, but you're going to have other single-celled organisms down deep, and you're going to have animals down there, and they have viruses. And by the way we're saying viruses now, but they all have other types of parasites too. Viruses are a major type of parasite.
0: Where do you start with all that to look into as a scientist?
1: Well, sometimes you can simplify your life and say, I'm going to focus on certain groups of parasites. And in my lab, we typically focus on animal parasites, which might be worms or crustaceans or whatever. The theory that we have applies to everything, whether it's a virus or an alien parasite. We're trying to come up with rules that apply to any form of life, wherever we might find it in the universe. So (laughs) we have no problem recognizing, if you've seen that movie Alien, You can watch that alien movie, and we have no problem saying that first larval stage of that alien is a parasitoid parasite. It doesn't matter if it's not even from this world.
0: (laughs) That's John Hurt's stomach bursting and the creature coming out from uh, his tummy.
1: Exactly. And that's a type of parasite we call parasitoid. The parasitoids are interesting because they're a type of parasite that, as a rule, their host must die for them to continue with the life cycle. They're just as deadly as a predator. A predator goes and kills every single prey item it takes by, as a mm. rule, it kills. What's the difference by the way with a predator and a parasite? A parasite feeds on one host, one resource individual. That's what it feeds on for its life or its life stage if it has one of those fantastic complicated life cycles where it changes what it's feeding on at different parts of its life. A parasite feeds on one thing, a predator feeds on a lot. A predator, as a rule, kills everything it feeds on. Parasites may or may not. Some parasites do, like the parasitoids. By the way, those viruses in a bacteria, those are parasitoids too. As a rule, they get in that little bacteria cell. That bacteria gets eaten up on the inside, and the parasite, the virus, blows up out of it. There are wasp parasitoids where they lay their egg inside of, say, an aphid or a caterpillar, and their baby grows up. The little grub wasp grows up inside, eating up all the organs, not the vital organs first right and then it blows up out of that caterpillar which is dead a little husk remaining and the wasp flies off to go mate and do it again
0: keeps it alive just so keep feeding on the poor creature <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: but, yes but still a predator so that sounds disgusting or brutal but it kills one thing a predator goes and does it again and again and again and like we do <laughs> we are good predators <laughs> mm.
0: And uh, while we're thinking about those things and perhaps being put off and being like uh, certain millionaires in America and never going out because they're scared of germs, we are, of course, made mainly of cells and rather more hosting more little creatures than we have cells,
1: trillions of them. Of those bacteria. And those bacteria, a lot of them are going to not be parasitic, right? They're going to actually be mutuals where we benefit from having them and they benefit from living in us. Do they call that commensals? Commensals are where they may benefit but we don't really benefit or suffer. That's the traditional definition of a commensal where hey they're hanging out in or on you benefiting from it. Eh, you could care less. Talking about that,
0: tell me about the snail that you've been working on
1: and found out to be rather more worrying than perhaps people imagined. Uh, this one can be worrying for people because this snail, which is introduced to many areas of the world, including Australia by the way, some people might say it's native there. So the snail is native from Africa to the Middle East, all the way along Southern Asia to Southeast Asia. And it's called the red-rimmed Melania snail.
0: That's not named after the former first lady, is it?
1: Probably not, but maybe somebody went in a time machine and got really infatuated with her and went back and named it in the 1800's (laughs) if that's when it was. Yeah, 1800's. Melania. uh, Melanoides tuberculata is its scientific name. The snail has been introduced. It's actually pretty wild. It's parthenogenetic. It can actually make babies without mating. It's been introduced into Europe, Australia. I would probably bet it's introduced there instead of naturally having gotten there. North America, South America. Interestingly enough, In particularly Southeast Asia, but throughout Africa, all of Asia, it's known to host some parasites that can infect humans. These parasites are called trematodes. And by the way, trematodes in general are fantastic. They're wonderful organisms. When they get into a snail, a single infection in a snail takes over the snail's body. But unlike a parasitoid, they don't kill that body typically. They don't kill the body. They hijack it for themselves. They block the snail from reproducing. So they make the gonads wither away. If it had ovaries, the ovaries are withered away. If it had testes, the testes are withered away. If it had both, they're all withered away. And it replaces that reproductive tissue with its own tissue. It clones itself, and it makes a little colony of worms in there. They then use that stolen snail body. They block it from doing its own reproduction and they use that body to make parasite offspring. And they might drive that stolen body for 10 years. So this is another parasitic strategy we call parasitic castrators because they block the reproduction of the host. I like to call them body snatchers and that's not hyperbole because they have stolen that body. It is theirs now to drive.
0: The ultimate in recycling. Take the body and make it your own. Sweet dreams are made of this. Ryan Heckinger is a professor at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in La Jolla, California, and yes, he still eats seafood, some of it raw. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.